Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. Let's try it again. Hey, there we go. Okay, let's read our verses. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. These are the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were... Uh, before you. Now, if you, you know, many of us have, have read the book of Matthew multiple times. We've read the Sermon on the Mount multiple times. But if you were reading this for the first time, you cannot help but think that this is an absolutely shocking statement as to where it's found uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, let me, let me reiterate, we started in Matthew 1, Matthew 5, verse 1. And we started going down, and Jesus gave us seven Beatitudes. And I would remind you again that these are characteristics of a Christian. Every Christian should have some of every one of those. Some of us have just a little bit, right? Some of us have a lot. But a Christian should have all of these characteristics. And so Jesus starts at the beginning, and He says, A Christian is poor in spirit. By the way, that's a person that's humble. That's not a person that's prideful. That's a person who sees themselves as they really are. And they see all their issues and they see the darkness and they see the, the heaviness and they see the, just the, the dirtiness that's inside of them. And they realize that they are a spiritual beggar, that they need mercy from God. This is a person that mourns or grieves over their sin. They don't, they don't cover their eyes to their, to their fallacies and their faults. They, they see them. And they grieve over them. They don't cooperate with their sin. This is a person that's meek. It's a person that's hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Think about that for one moment. This is a person that deep in the very deepest part of them wants to do what's right. Everybody with me? I mean, this is a person that wants to do what's right. It's a person that's merciful. It's a person that's pure in heart. And it's a person that's a peacemaker. This isn't a gossip. This isn't a backbiter. This isn't a meddlesome person. This isn't a person who always has to have their own way. They're a peacemaker. Now, read that list and tell me who in the world could ever hate a person like that. Shouldn't we all want to be that person? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't we want our children to be that person? Shouldn't we aspire to be that person? And yet, here's Jesus with the eighth beatitude and says, if you exhibit those characteristics, the world will hate you for it. Now, folks, that's a shocking statement. It's shocking because you just, it, it, it just, it, it, it kind of comes up against our sensibilities. Why in the world would anybody hate a person like that? By the way, it, it's probably even today, the opposite of how many of us think. Let's be honest. Don't we think of a Christian as a person who's gentle and kind and nice and everybody likes them and everybody gets along with them? But that's not the description that Jesus gives. Jesus says, if you, if you have these characteristics in your life as a Christian, 
people will persecute you for it. So that, first and foremost, we have to understand that, you know, we've read this before, but if you look at it where it comes in this book, it is an, a shocking and unexpected statement. In fact, by looking at this, what we realize is the more that we generate or demonstrate the characteristics of Christ in our life, the more we will be persecuted by the world. You see, when people are living in sin, they will naturally hate those that are living in righteousness. By the way, that's the Word of God. That's what the Bible says. So we know that's true. Our experience sometimes may be different, but we know that's true because it's the Word of God. So first and foremost, it's a shocking statement. It's an unexpected statement, but it is as much a description of a Christian as any of the other Beatitudes. So that's where we start. Now, I want to start here. I'm going to talk about several things about persecution here tonight. And I want to start with this one because, listen, I was born and raised right here. I've never lived anywhere else. I was born and raised in Walcala County. I'll die in Walcala County. So I was born in America. I was born in the South, born in Florida, born in a, 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 a great place to live, right? And, and what a blessing it is. I have not experienced the level of persecution. I just haven't experienced. I'm assuming most of us haven't. So in some cases, our mind, we might think, well, is it really real? Are people really, are Christians really persecuted the way they were, let's say, for example, back in the day of Jesus? We've read those stories, right? The things they did, men like Nero who, who lit Christians on fire in order to, to light his gardens. The Romans who sold, uh, sewed Christians inside of animal skins and let the lions attack them who put them on racks and pulled them apart, who boiled them in, in oil. Just terrible, terrible ways that they treated and persecuted Christians. Is anybody, is that really going on anymore? There's a, a group here in the U.S. called Open Doors USA, and they issue a report every year, and they document Christian persecution around the world. Now, they haven't uh, issued their report for 2022 because we're not at the end of the year yet, but in 20, at this past year, they, they, in their report for 2021, this is what they reported. 5,000 in 2021, 5,600 Christians were murdered. 6,000 were placed in prison. Over 4,000 were kidnapped, sold as sex slaves and things like that. And over 5,000 churches were uh, destroyed. By the way, it, the numbers are far greater than that. Those are only the ones they could actually document. Go into places like North Korea, you're not going to be able to document everything. So the numbers are surely much, much higher than what they document. And one of the things that they do as part of their report is they list the, 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 the offending countries. What are the worst countries to be a Christian in? Number one on the list this year or, or last year is Afghanistan. Afghanistan wasn't number one until we pulled out. When America pulled out of Afghanistan in, in uh, August of 2021, the Taliban took over the government, they took over the police, they took over the army, they took over everything. They had paperwork that they found so they knew uh, who were professing Christians and things like that. It is impossible today to live openly as a Christian in Afghanistan. If you want to live, you have to, you have to get out. If you stay there and you are found out, you will be uh, killed. There's just no way around it. It is the number one on the list. Number two is probably one you could guess, North Korea. Uh, North Korea, of course, is a 
uh, totalitarian state. They, they do not allow any uh, gods or any religions above the state. And uh, anyone caught following Jesus in North Korea is immediately arrested. Uh, more than likely, it goes to uh, prison. They're tortured, and, uh, and many of them are killed. I won't go down through every one. Number three on the list is Somalia, which again is a Muslim country. Uh, number four is Libya, a Muslim country. Number five is Yemen, uh, an Islam, again, a Muslim country. Number six, you may have never heard of, is a country called Eritrea. Uh, they broke off from Ethiopia several years ago in a, in a civil war. They have a totalitarian government, very much like North Korea. They don't allow any religions at all. In fact, half the, in spite of the fact that half the people that live in Eritrea are actually professing Christians. Half the people identify as Christians. Uh, church meetings are regularly raided. People are arrested, put in prison, and they say the prison conditions are absolutely uh, inhumane. You, you may hear a lot in the news about Nigeria, which is number seven on the list. In fact, I just found this in the Christian Post earlier this week. Already this year, in the first 10 months of this year, of 2022, 4,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria and another 2,300 have been abducted and put into slavery and things like that just in this year. It's a terrible, terrible place for Christians to have to live. You go on down the list, Pakistan, Iran, uh, India is, is kind of moving up the list. There's our, there are Hindu extremists now in India who want to purge the country of, of any other religion, and Christians are high on their list. And one of the things that they're doing in India, uh, which is kind of new, is they're making use of social media. So what they'll do is they'll start rumors about a church or they'll start rumors about a family on social media. They'll get everybody riled up and they'll go into that town and they'll attack that church and they'll, they'll burn that church or they'll burn that, that home. And so uh, you can start to see technology being used. And then, of course, Saudi Arabia, uh, which where Christianity is formally banned in Saudi Arabia, formally banned. You cannot be a Christian in and for, in uh, Saudi Arabia. So here's my, here's my point. You know, we talk about persecution and we'll talk about it tonight, but folks, there are people around the world that are living it out every single day. You know, we read scriptures. I'll give you a couple. This is Luke 12, 51 to 53. Jesus said, do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No. I tell you, rather, I have come to bring division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. A father against son, son against father, daughter against mother, mother against daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. You know, I've had people come to me over and say, well, how, you know, how is that true? You want to know how that's true? Go to Iran. Go to Somalia. Go to one of these Muslim countries where if you become a believer, you will be shunned, ostracized, fired from your job, and you're done. Your family will not have anything. If you're lucky, they just won't have anything to do with you. More than likely, they'll kill you because of the shame that you brought on their family because you converted from uh, Islam. Matthew 10, 37, Jesus, Jesus said this, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Listen, there are people around this world that are counting the cost. They are counting the cost and they're choosing Jesus over their family. We, we, don't even, we, don't, we don't even know what that's like. But let me tell you, it's real. It is absolutely as real today as it was 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> now, 
What about here, though? What about America? What about Florida? What about Walcala County? What is, are we, is there persecution? Should we be ready for persecution? Let me tell you, I believe that statement right there with everything that's in me. I would not stand up here and tell you this if I didn't believe this to the core of my being. Persecution is coming. It's coming. Listen to me. I'm not a prophet, but you've got to have your head stuck in the sand if you can't see it. It's as plain as the nose on your face. It is coming. Now, do I think there'll be killing people in the streets? No, I don't think you're going to see that here, but you're going to see people lose their jobs. You're going to be people see people ostracized from society. It's coming to the point where Christians will be on an island. Something happened this past week in the midterms that kind of drove this home for me. And uh, there was a a ballot initiative. uh, There was an initiative on the state, on the ballot in a state in this country. And this is what the initiative was. Basically, they wanted to make a law that said if a child, that as, as part of an abortion, if a child was born alive, they wanted to make it a law that the doctor had to try to save that child. Everybody with me? So baby's been aborted, they bring him out, and it's, it's crying, it's hurt, it's trying to live. And they wanted to pass a law, and they put it on the ballot, and said if that happens, you have to save that baby. They put it on the ballot, and, and folks, let me tell you, that's, that's, just, that's just decency. That's just plain, human, moral, ethical decency, and they put it on the ballot, and it lost. <clears throat> not in California, not in Oregon, not in New York, in Montana. Montana. If you don't see what's going on, there is a sea change in our culture. It is a complete change in our, our culture. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, open your eyes. Open your eyes and get ready because it's coming. Now, let me tell you this. <clears throat> I'll tell you it's coming. I'm going to tell you how to get out of it. Okay? So if you want to take notes on this, if you want to know how to escape persecution, it's really simple. All you got to do is just live like the world lives. That's all you got to do. Just approve their morals, approve their standards, live by their ethics. Don't make any any waves, just just fit in. Don't tell anybody that they're a sinner. Don't talk about hell. Don't talk about people being under the wrath of God. Whatever you do, do not preach that Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you want to preach that he's one way, you can do that. But do not ever say that you have the truth. Don't ever do that. Don't separate yourself. Don't be different. Just go along with the world, laugh at their jokes, watch their movies, listen to their music, let them mock God, let them spit in his face, and you don't say a word. Don't do anything. Just go along with the flow. Trust me, you do that, and I promise you, you will not be persecuted. It's as simple as that. Just live the way they live, and you'll never experience persecution. But if you want to live a godly life, this is what Paul says, you will be persecuted. That is, that's a categorical statement, by the way. 
Read it with me. Second uh, Timothy three twelve. Indeed, all who desire to live, all first of all, that's everybody. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not might. It says it will happen. There's your choice for each and every one of us. Do I want to live like the world or do I want to live like Jesus? There's your choice. And it's right there facing every one of us. And I'm telling you, it's coming. Now, I want to talk a little bit about persecution tonight because obviously there's different levels of persecution and things like that. But I want to begin by making sure that we understand what persecution is. I want to define it. Now, there's certainly different levels of persecution. Um, sometimes persecution is, is just something that people do with their mouth. They may hate you. They may dislike you. They may insult you. They may revile you. They may lie about you. That's a, that's a level. Um, I heard one, uh, one guy say that, that persecution against Christians always starts with disinformation. They always start with telling lies about you. They always start with, with twisting what's true about Christians. But it, it usually starts with words, and sometimes that's where it, it ends. And it, it can go to the next level, which is uh, harassing or ostracizing people. You, you, kinda, you, you cancel them, if you will, which is what you see in our culture. It's going on all over the place. You, you kind of isolate them. You, there's something wrong with them. They're not, they're not worthy of, of, of participating in society like the rest of us. And then, of course, the, 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 the third level of this is harassment, oppression, and as we saw in some of these other countries, uh, murder or martyrdom. Okay? Now, with that in mind, I want you to read Matthew 5.10 because Jesus qualifies persecution. He puts three words on it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, there is no doubt in my mind those are the three most important words in that verse. He could have just said, blessed are those who are persecuted, but he didn't. He qualified it. He said, blessed are those or happy are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you, if I can, what persecution is not. Okay? I'm going to tell you, first of all, what persecution is not. He did not say, blessed are those who are persecuted because they're objectionable or difficult or stupid. Right? Can we be honest? Do you understand that a lot of times in life we bring things on ourselves? Right? Sometimes we suffer just because we make stupid decisions, right? It's not because the world hates us. It's not because anybody's trying to harass us. If you're an objectionable person, a difficult person, you're going to get into difficulties in, in life. Folks, listen, Jesus is not talking about that. He's not talking about persecution or harassment or suffering that you bring on yourself just because you're an objectionable or difficult person. He also does not say, blessed are those who are persecuted because they are fanatical or overzealous. Now, I want you to listen to me closely. I've been at this a long time. Pastor Henry and others of you have been at this a long time. I've seen this over and over again. Some people will get in their minds that there are certain things you have to do in order to be spiritual. 
Let me say that again. Some people get in their mind that there are certain things you must do to be spiritual. And those people will do that thing regardless. Even to the point of making a nuisance of themselves. And then somebody will call them to account and they'll say, hey, man, you can't do that. That's out of order. And that person will walk out of this church and they'll go home and say, I'm being persecuted. I'm being persecuted for my faith. No, you're not. No, you're not. You were out of order and you were called to it. Let me give you a piece of advice. If you come into a church like this and and you don't see anybody doing that thing, don't do that thing. Where's Pastor Henry at? Here he is. You got some godly people in this church. Some godly men and women that have been doing this for a long time. If you don't see them doing that thing, don't do that thing. I don't care if you think it's the most spiritual thing and all that. If you don't see anybody else doing it, it's a good idea you don't need to do it. But see, somebody, people will get in their mind, well, i got to do this thing to be spiritual. And they'll just do it. They don't care what anybody thinks. And then when they're called for being out of order, they'll go say they were being persecuted. No, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Things are to be done decently and in order. If you're out of order, you'll be called on it. That's not the persecution. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He doesn't say also, blessed are those who are persecuted because of their religion. I think about the, the Holocaust when I think about this one. I think about the, the obviously a great persecution against the Jews because of their religion, because of their ethnicity. Folks, certainly, certainly that is persecution that is not what Jesus is talking about. They're not persecuted because of their righteousness. They're persecuted because of their race. They're persecuted because of their ethnicity. They're persecuted because of their religion. They're not persecuted because they're righteous. That's, so let's be very clear. That's not what Jesus is, is talking about. He also doesn't say, and I'm, I'll upset a few of you, but hey, whatever. Blessed are those who are persecuted for a cause. Blessed are those who are persecuted for a cause. When I, when I wrote this down, I immediately thought of that. You know, there are people who, who, who wouldn't wear a mask. There are people who wouldn't give a shot. And, and, and they may have been persecuted for that. They may have lost their job for that. They may have been ostracized from their family for that. Certainly, that is a, a level or a layer of, of persecution. But that is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus ain't talking about being persecuted because you don't want to get a shot. Now listen to me. If you want to suffer for a cause, if you want to suffer for your political views, you go do that. That is your business. But you're not being persecuted for righteousness sake. That is not what he's talking about. And by the way, may God help us to discern the difference between the righteousness of God and some political cause that I believe in. Those, those can be two separate things. They, sometimes they can be intertwined. But may God help us discern the difference. One more. He doesn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted for being good and noble and self-sacrificing. Now this one really, really interests me. Do you know there are people, and I want you to think about this, and I don't, I don't mean to, to pick on Mother Teresa, certainly not. I mean, she had a, 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 a wonderful life and she, she gave so much to help people and all of those things. 
But have you ever noticed something about Mother Teresa? She gave up wealth and she gave up career and she gave up uh, marriage. She never, you know, she gave up all those things to serve. And she was never persecuted once. In fact, she was given the Nobel Prize. The, 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 the world praised her for that. Now, isn't that an odd thing? Because Jesus said, you will be persecuted for righteousness sake. By the way, and we'll come back to this in a minute. If the world praises it, that's probably a good indicator that it's not righteousness. Let me just say that again. If the world praises it, if the world says, man, that's an awesome thing, that's a very good indicator that it's not true righteousness. And we'll come back to that in, in just a moment. So what does Jesus mean when he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake? Well, let's read it. Verses 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, say it with me, on my account. See, the fact is, being persecuted for righteousness and being persecuted for, on, on, on Jesus' account, those are the same things. See, it means you are being persecuted for being like Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for having a relationship with me. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for being a new creation in, in Christ. You see, true righteousness, the kind of righteousness that Jesus is talking about, by the way, which is a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees and Mother Teresa and anybody else, always involves a relationship with Jesus. There, there's a big difference of copying Jesus and being like Jesus. That's a big difference. A lot of people can imitate him. There's a big difference between, between that and being a new creation in Christ. In fact, imitate Jesus, copy Jesus, people will praise you. Become a new Christ-like creation, they'll hate you. That, that's, an, that's an incredible thing to me. That if, as long as I copy Jesus and, and I'm a servant like Jesus and I'm kind like Jesus and I'm gentle like Jesus and I don't, I don't get into any of that theology. Let me tell you, people could care less if you label yourself a Christian. Nobody cares. Just don't act like one. Don't stand up for biblical beliefs. You can call yourself a Christian. Nobody cares. Feel free to call yourself that. But don't act like it and certainly don't stand on the Word of God. Don't ever do that and say you've got the only way that this is the truth. Don't do that. That will bring the persecution. Let's read John 15, 18 through 20. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you at its own, but as its own. But because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If Jesus is really your master, if he is Lord of your life, if you have submitted everything, your finances and your job and your marriage and your, and your, and your kids and, and everything to him, he's your master. He said, guess what? They persecuted me. 
they will also persecute you. Listen, there you read these scriptures, there's no qualifications. He doesn't say, oh, if, if this happens, you're if... No, he just says it's going to happen. You look at the Old Testament and, and the New Testament, I just wrote down a few names. Abel, Moses, David, Elijah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Isaiah, I left that one off, the apostles, all men who experienced terrible persecution. By the way, they weren't persecuted of what, because of what they did wrong. They were persecuted because they did right. You go back to, to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Abel brings a sacrifice. It's the right sacrifice and Cain kills him for it. He wasn't persecuted because he did anything wrong. He did it. He was persecuted because he was doing what was right. By the way, the greatest of this, Jesus himself, gentle, kind. The Bible says he, a bruised reed he won't break. That's how gentle he was. Patient, loving, gracious, merciful. In fact, he was perfect. The Bible says, tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. He never sinned. He was the perfect man, and they killed him. They killed him. Now, why? What was it about this perfect man that they literally gnashed their teeth at him? They wanted him dead. Why? Never hurt anybody. Never done anything to anybody. In fact, when they had a chance, they chose a murderer over him. Give us, give us Barabbas. Give us, give us the murderer. Kill him. Why? Why, in fact, let's go back to our question that I brought up earlier. Why are the righteous persecuted? And not someone like Mother Teresa that the world considers good and noble and self-sacrificing. That's a, that's, a, that's a question I've thought about all week. Why wouldn't they persecute Sister Teresa? Why would they give her the Nobel Prize? Why do, why do they look at her and see her as good and, and noble and self-sacrificing, but yet they'll look at other Christians and say, you bigot? You bigot? What's, what's, the, what's the difference? I think one of it is, is this. When you see somebody as a human being, when you see somebody, let me, let me back up for a moment. You've heard me say this. We all see ourselves as good people, right? Ever, you can go to death row and, and, and that guy will say, you know, I'm a really good person. Watch any crime show where somebody just killed somebody and interview their neighbor. Man, he was a guy. He was a nice guy, right? It, we all see ourselves as good people. And, and we like, because we see ourselves as good, we know we got problems, but basically we're, we're, we, we see ourselves as good. And we like things that validate that. So when we see somebody like Mother Teresa who's sacrificing and serving and, and all of that, we, it's almost like we're looking at ourselves saying, you know what, I could do that. You know, I, I'm not doing it today, but the, the best part of me could do those things. I, I could be that person. It's almost like we're compl when we compliment her, we're complimenting ourselves. I, that I could be that. Not that we ever would, but, but, but you know, we, we, see it, we see it that way. But there's something about a righteous man. There, there's something about a righteous woman that condemns sinners. And I don't even really pretend to understand it. I know there was something about Jesus that when he got up and preached... 
they, they, they would walk away and plot to kill him. How do we kill him? You see, he, those Pharisees who were the righteous of the righteous in that day, they could stand up and listen to him preach, and it made their righteousness seem dirty. And they hated him for that. You see, there's something about a righteous man that, and a righteous woman when you meet them that holds a mirror up to you, and in that mirror you see yourself for who you really are, and you're not good. And you realize, I'm not good. And it makes you feel bad about yourself. And anything that makes you feel bad about yourself, you will hate. Listen to John three nineteen through 20. Again, the words of Jesus. This is the verdict, He says. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. See, that's the difference. There's something about seeing somebody that's good and noble and self-sacrificing. You look at them and just think, man, I could do that. You know, I'm a good guy. But when you really meet a righteous person, when you really hear righteous truth coming out of their mouth, there's something about that that's like a, a light to a cockroach. It is. It's like a light to a cockroach. They will run. They don't want anything to do with that. Because it, it, it shines a light on who they are at their very core. And what they see is dirty. And they don't want to see that. See, the righteous are persecuted because they make people see themselves as they really are. That they are not good. Let me tell you, you try being the only honest person in a class where everybody else is cheating. Just try that. Everybody in the class is cheating. You're the only one that's doing it right. What do you think is going to happen? You think they're going to hold you up and say, wow, look at this guy. No, they hate you for that. Because why? Because you're showing them what they're doing wrong. Try being the only one in your family that doesn't support the gay marriage of a homosexual uncle and watch what happens. Watch what happens and watch how your family turns against you. Be different. And you'll be persecuted for holding a mirror up to those people and letting them see themselves for who they really are. Four things, and I close with this. Jesus will never be loved by the world. And I think this is important to say. I think some Christians have in their mind this idea that, boy, if if they could just see who Jesus really is, if they could just see how loving He is and how kind He is and how gentle He is, they will, they will accept Him. No, they won't. Folks, listen to you. If you think that, you are incredibly mistaken. The world saw Jesus for who He was and they killed Him. The world saw Jesus for who He was and they chose a murderer over Him. They will not love Him. So when we're, And by the way, I hear worldly people sometimes say, well, I really admire Jesus. That's because you don't know Him. They don't know Jesus. They got this idea of a Jesus. They, 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 they fashion this, this thing they call Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. They meet the Jesus of the Bible and they'll hate Him. They meet the Jesus of the Bible, they'll persecute Him. Number two... If Jesus is persecuted, then every Christian, which by the way, the word Christian means little Christ. Little Christ. Listen, I'm not going to mess around. There are people today who have put the word Christian over their head 
and say, I'm a Christian. They're no more a Christian. They are not a little Christ. They're not emulating like Christ. They're not walking like Christ. They're not talking like Christ. They're not preaching the truth like Christ. They are not Christians. I don't care what they put over their head. But if you are a Christian, you are trying to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will not be loved by the world. You can't be. The Jesus in you, they, they see that. It's not, by the way, it's nothing personal. It's not personal. It's the Jesus in you they hate. It's the Jesus in you they despise. It's the Jesus in you that they reject. They didn't praise our Lord. And they'll never, never, ever praise a man and woman who is indwelt by His, by his Spirit. Number three. I want to go back to our study in Romans real quick and, and remind you the world naturally hates God. Listen to Romans 8, 7. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So what you have to understand that anybody without the Spirit of Christ is hostile to God. It's not like they're just saying, hey man, you do what you do, I do. No. No. Have you not seen this in our culture that there's a spirit out there. They're not satisfied with, with, look, you do what you do and we'll do what we do. No. No, they're not satisfied with that. They hate you holding up that mirror. They hate it. And they will push and push and push and push until there's nobody walking in. I mean, they, they don't want anybody telling them what they're doing is wrong. They hate God. This is why, by the way... The new birth is absolutely essential to be a Christian. Absolutely essential. You see, to be a Christian is to be like Christ. And to be like Christ, you have to be a new person. Listen, don't, don't think that the Christian is like everybody else with just a little bit of tweaks here and there. I've run into people, you're, you're just like me, you just, you just don't drink. You're just like me, you don't smoke. You're just like me, you don't... No. No, it's not... I'm not like you with just a few tweaks... I'm new. The old Derek is dead. This is, this is a new me. I, I'm, I got a new nature. I, essentially, at my core, I am a different person. That's what it means to be a, a Christian. Now, I want to f- close with this. If we're persecuted, what should our response be? If we are persecuted, if we're reviled, if people speak badly and even tell lies about us, if we're persecuted because of our righteousness, because we're Christians, what should our response? Let's read all three verses. Matthew 5, 10 and 11, we've read this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And this is what you do. Rejoice. Rejoice. <laughs> Jump like a, like, a, like a calf in the air. That's what it means. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Folks, listen. You don't, you don't even... This is in, what I'm going to tell you right now is absolutely impossible. By the way, that is a command. In the Greek, that's what's called an imperative. That is a command. He's not saying, hey, if you really feel like it, just, you know, have a little party. No, he's saying... He's saying, man, rejoice and be glad. That's a command. It is an absolutely impossible command without a miracle. Because if you really do what he says, that means somebody lies about you. You, you, don't, you don't retaliate, certainly. 
you don't even, you're not even resentful. You, you, you're not depressed about it. He, he doesn't even give you the option to be depressed, that they're talking bad about you. No, he said, rejoice, be glad, be happy about it. Again, I would argue that that is probably, if not the most difficult command uh, in the Bible. I would argue that it's certainly one of, the, one of the top three most difficult commands in the Bible. Because he's telling you to feel something inside. See, rejoicing and be glad, that's a feeling. Somebody slanders you, somebody persecutes you, somebody fires you from your job and, and makes up lies about you to do it. And, and you're supposed to feel happy about it. Now, here's why it's so hard. Because number one, it's a command to feel. And we don't have control for the most part, over our feelings. We just feel what we feel, don't we? And by the way, it goes, every, it goes 100% contrary to natural human experience. Somebody does all that, the first thing you do is, man, I'm going to get that person back. You want to retaliate. You're depressed. You're, you, all these things go through. The last thing that a human being would ever do is rejoice and be, be glad. In fact, look at Matthew 5.44. Jesus said this, I say unto you, love your enemies... Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. Can I tell you that all of those are easier than rejoicing and being glad? See, I can, I can, I can be depressed, but I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and get on my knees and pray for that person. I could make myself do it. I could do something good for that person. I could bless that person even though I don't feel like it. But rejoicing and being glad, that's an impossible command. It's impossible for me to feel that unless, unless God does a supernatural miracle in my life. By the way, can you not see how the, the, this idea out there that a person can make themselves a Christian somehow is just an utter fallacy? You can't ever on your own become someone who would literally rejoice and be glad when they're praying. You can't do it. It's impossible. You have to be a new creation. You must be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. Now, let me say this. So what do I do? Do I sit here and wait on persecution and, and, and just think, okay, God, when it happens, now you're going to have to just you know, hit me on the head with something, so I'll rejoice and be glad. What do I do? See, Pastor Henry's been talking about this. God says, I'll show mercy to whom I want to show mercy. But yet, the Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for it. You don't just sit back and, and wait for him to show it. Go ask. Well, it's the same thing here. What do I do to rejoice and be glad? Well, Jesus told us, rejoice and be glad. Why? Because your reward is great in heaven. See, my job is to get that mindset right there. That's my job. My job is to prepare for persecution by beginning to think about heaven, by beginning to live like, like this is temporary and that's eternal. You see, Jesus wants his disciples to desire heaven more than they desire this earth. That's what he wants from us. We should live our lives controlled by thoughts of heaven and the world to come. How many Christians are, are going through weeks and days and months and we're worried about the next bill, we're worried about the next vacation, we're worried about Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we haven't even given a thought to heaven. We haven't given a thought to what's waiting for us on the other side. It should be the exact opposite. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to some time off. I'm, I know two weeks I got to come back and teach a lesson. Those are all things I got to do. But I should be focused on heaven. I should be driven, motivated by what waits me on the other side. Listen to the, uh, the great um, chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, talking about men and women of faith. He said this, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers in a land. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own, a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Listen, my entire outlook on life should be governed by three things. Who I am, where I'm going, and what I'm going to get when I get there. Who I am in Christ, where I'm going when I die, and what's waiting for me when I get there. Listen, that is the difference fundamentally between a believer and an unbeliever. An unbeliever goes through life looking at temporary things. An unbeliever should go through life looking at eternal things. That's a fundamental difference between us and them. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Therefore we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I started, the name of this lesson was Prepare for Persecution. And I believe with everything in me, it's coming. It's coming. What do we do? Number one, we need to examine ourselves. Listen, I'm not telling anybody to go out and look for it. I don't think the Bible ever says that we're to go out and try to bring it on ourselves. But what we can't do is run from it. What we can't do is live a cowardly form of Christianity that hides it from the world. That's what we can't do. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's God. That's his business. But what I've got to do is I've got to live a life that's different. I told you before, it's easy to get out of it. Just live like the world. Do what they do. Accept what they accept. Nobody will say a thing to you. But be different. Be different and it's coming. If, again, and and I'm pointing the finger at me. If we're not experiencing some form or level of persecution in our life, we need to ask ourselves why. We really do. We need to examine ourselves. Again, it could very well be that just God has not brought it into my life. And that's, that's certainly okay. But what it can't be is that I'm hiding my light. It cannot be that I've got my light under a bushel so people can't see it. That can't be. That can't be. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. It's just not worth it, folks. Listen to what Paul said. These light, momentary afflictions are working for us a far weight of glory that outweighs them all. That's, those, those are the words. Those are the words of God. Those are the words of the Spirit. He knows what's waiting for us on the other side. It's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. So we should examine ourselves, and then we need to prepare. We need to prepare. We need to prepare mentally. We need to prepare uh, spiritually for when it comes that we're ready to walk through it. 
Because let me tell you, I said it before, I'll say it again. It is coming. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word as we always do. And God, I know tonight uh, is not easy. Nobody, we want to talk about glorious and happy things. But yet, that's exactly what we just did. We don't want to see those things as bad and terrible. And, and, and you said, be happy. Rejoice. Be glad when those things happen. Because our reward is great in heaven. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters overseas in those countries. I, I, let's pray for them, folks. We, we lift them up, God. We ask you to sustain them, to strengthen them, to be with them, God, in their persecution, God. Ask them, God, even to the very end for those that are being killed, God, that you would give them the strength not to give in. God, that you would walk with them and be them, be with them to the very end. And God, great, great will be their reward. Now, for, for those of us here in America... In Florida and Wakula County, God, thank you for our freedom. Thank you for all you've done for, for us. Thank you that, that we can come here tonight and preach the word and we're not worried about uh, anybody breaking down the door and arresting us. Thank you. We give you glory and praise for that. At the same time, God, if it's coming, prepare us. If it's coming, prepare us. We pray for boldness. We pray for courage. We pray for the, 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 the boldness and courage to stand on your word, whatever comes from this society and from this culture. We will never, ever give in. Never give in. God, even if it's a light affliction, help us to be strong and courageous in that. We thank you for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.